Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Heading down to Music City or maybe even Smashville today as we check in with Claire Francis. She is the Senior Marketing Director for Bridgestone Arena and Nashville Predators. Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Boy, first, let me just ask you right away. I know you guys have been busy down there. What's Music City like right now? Music City is well on its way back to being fully open. Um, I will say downtown, you know, which is where Bridgestone Arena is located, hasn't really slowed down much. Um, there's a lot of tourists around town and then uh, restaurant capacities just and hours just increased as of today. Um, and I can oh, tell wow. you firsthand, it is very difficult to get a reservation right now. Because people are just eager to get back out. People are eager, and I'm hearing that there is not enough staff to keep up with the demand in the restaurants. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah, people people lost their jobs or went elsewhere, and then now things are increased, and they're probably trying to keep up with it with staffing. Wow. And you guys are smack dab right there in the middle of downtown and in the heart of it all. So you mentioned as the data we're recording this, you just got increased with your capacity. So where are we at? Well, tell me the journey of where we've been on the increased capacity for you guys. Yes, um, we were able to start hosting fans in February for Nashville Predators home games. So we've been operating at about a 22% capacity per NHL and health department protocols. And just today, we've announced that we are increasing capacity to to 33%. So right now, it's at about 5,700 for Bridgestone Arena. You know, we had a similar situation here in Columbus with the Blue Jackets at Nationwide Arena where we had a 10% capacity and then we put those tickets out there for the public and they were gone like that. And they upped it a little bit and all of a sudden it was, oh, there are still tickets available here for, you know, some of those Monday night games and some of those things. So it's always re-communicating, hey, now there are new tickets available and things like that. So it's definitely a, a growth and a learning challenge as we're all kind of learning how to reopen and increase our capacities through this whole phase. We experienced that as well. I think it was just people not knowing. It was really getting the word out that there actually are tickets available. And then once people realize that, we've been able to sell out every game. Nashville has grown so much over the past uh, decade. And we've seen it become such a key spot for bachelorette parties. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and everything, no, but you can't, you can't go even, it, it's just, it's amazing to see how, you know, Broadway, you know, which was always popular, but has just exploded in this past year, had to be a real challenge for the city as a whole and for the arena. So walk us through what the past, you know, year and a half has been like for you and the Bridgestone Arena staff. Yeah, so we've been able to have Nashville Predators home games open to fans, and then soon we will have our first non-sporting event. So we have the Mike Epps comedy show. But yes, it's been a long path. So like a a lot of arenas, we immediately 
started refocusing our efforts towards how can we reopen. In the very beginning, you know, we had a lot of show cancellations to straight and obviously rebooking. Um, and then our COVID task force team was put into place and we developed our Smashville safe protocols. So using guidelines from the NHL and our local Metro health department. And with the success of that, and people have actually been following them and abiding by the protocols, now here we are able to open up to 5,700. I feel like with the Smashville safe thing, I actually heard some other venues in other cities kind of using that as a guide. Like they saw you all do a really good job of that. And is that something that you all felt was kind of important early on, really defining things, creating a campaign that sort of felt like a cohesive thing for the city? Uh, but I, I don't know. I think it's it's great. I think every venue is having to go through that and figure out exactly how to define that for their market. And with a really varied success rate, and we're you know seeing some venues uh, just one yesterday, and I won't mention who it is, but like you know announcing some of those plans and getting a lot of pushback in the media for various reasons because of it. It seems like Smashville Safe has been a really successful plan that a lot of people to is that something that was kind of a bunch of people coming together and you know how did that come to fruition yeah and we have a really strong relationship with our local government and our local health department so they have helped us met with us daily weekly and helped us put together the smashville safe protocols so we knew that we wanted it to be something that was applicable to the arena and the Nashville Predators, and we brand ourselves as Smashville, so hence the Smashville Safe. We wanted it to be something quick, short, that we could get out to the media so that people would associate it with our building and with the Preds. And we just started developing, really, we came up with, with the name first, and then as the guidelines were confirmed, then we started slotting those in. That's the marketing magic. Name it something cool and then figure out what it is. Exactly. I, well, I think that's part of the Part of the thing and part of a successful campaign is making it like catchy sounding, you know, it sounds like so trivial because of course it's all about like what you have in it. But I think just Smashville safe, you know, it's kind of a fun thing. People think of Smashville, they think of the games, they think of, you know, the fan experience. So I think having that alliteration with safe is really, you know, you all did a really good job with rolling that out. Thanks. And it's applicable post COVID, right? Like there's plenty of ways that you can keep Smashville safe. uh, Like, Puck and play, you know, don't stand in your seat during puck and play. And we are presenting Smashville Safe on uh, one of the EAMC panels, Safe and Sound. Hey, how about that? What a great, what a great plug for EAMC Virtual 2021 registered now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Claire, you know, when you talk about making the transition from, you know, your first sporting event to, you know, to the comedy concert with Mike Epps. Anything different there? Are you trying to keep things consistent between? Because I know the NHL has a very specific set of guidelines that they, you know, kind of set down of, hey, here's our safety policies. Are you trying to just keep it the same or letting the artist or kind of determine some of that as well? Keeping a lot of the same since we have been doing this, you know, since February, since January, really, we've been having these protocols in place at the arena. So we're letting the tour know, hey, this is the guidance that we're following right now. And then also, of course, accepting feedback from them. But just since we do have Smashville Safe in the marketplace and established with the media, 
not really changing our protocols as far as sending the know before you go email communication. Right. We have a bachecken.com health screening that everyone is required to do. We have a no bag policy. We're fully mobile. So all of those things will stay in place for sure. We are keeping in mind that a lot of our natural predators, we do have some single game ticket buyers, but a lot of people are return customers. They're sure. season ticket citizens. Right. So we do have an opportunity there to educate people who haven't been to an event or specifically a Bridgestone Arena event in over a year. So we're talking about you know, a little more heavy email marketing and social media messaging so that we can really make sure we're getting the message there. Um, and then luckily we've had other venue staff to talk to and see like, hey, what's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? And we'll craft some things there. How's the reaction been among your staff? One of the things that, you know, we're seeing in a lot of cities is, you know, some of our guest attendants are, you know, being challenged, you know, at, at the games by fans who, you know, when they ask them to enforce the mask policy and that kind of things, you know, and what's that delicate balance? Because, you know, they're used to a place where it's everybody's there for fun and now they're having to be kind of become enforcers and and much like a restaurant industry that's evolving, the guest attendant role has, has changed a lot. Have you you run into any, any real challenges with that or, or being cashless or anything there that, that has uh, changed since you kind of came up with the ideas to reopen? I will let you know that it is getting so much better. Oh, good. good. It really is. Yeah. That's yes. great to hear. Because we have had ejections, and I know other guests have talked about that on your show, and we're getting fewer and fewer. Um, so that is really good. I think I've also heard people on the podcast talk about enforcing masks in suites. Yeah. That has yeah. been an issue. So we've really relied on people who rotate on the suite level and are just popping in nonstop. If you have a sweet guest, it is your responsibility to keep an eye on them, to make sure that you hit them over the head with, hey, we really need you wearing masks. That has been a challenge. We haven't seen a lot of pushback with the cash. Now, we did install one reverse ATM. We do have that. I will say it's, it's very user-friendly and it looks pretty nice too. And the bag policy has been a little difficult. So throughout this just before COVID, really, we went to a no bag policy. So we were clear bag, went to no bag. And now it's almost we're re-educating everyone because we made the switch just before COVID. So, you know, you're still allowed a medical bag or a parenting bag, sure. but it doesn't need to go through the bag x-ray. Something so important to keep in mind is, you know, for the NHL games, you have a crowd that it comes to multiple games. But sometimes with concerts, you have people that have not, been to a concert at your venue, or maybe they just haven't been in five years. They could do one show every couple of years. So it is, it's a re-education process every time when you're dealing with that kind of fun. So it's, that's definitely a challenge and a good thing for all of us to keep in mind. Absolutely. It's also an opportunity, right? We get to reintroduce ourselves and our uh, arena and brand to new audience. Now, speaking of your brand, boy, I don't know anybody who probably uses more yellow paint than Bridgestone gold. Arena. Gold. <laughs> is it gold? Is that what it is? Okay, all right. Correction. Noted. By notice, I notice you must be coming to us from a home office because I don't see any gold behind you and I don't think that's allowed on any wall in Bridgestone. That's right. You're exactly right. Gray doesn't really cut it. Do you guys have a plan for when you're coming back to the office or even what that will look like? I know a lot of us are, are just kind of playing it by ear still and, and some people are just kind of slowly heading back into work. We're currently in a pod system. So we have three pods. 
gold pod, which is my pod. Gold not navy, yellow, not yellow pod. Right. Gold navy and silver. And everyone's in a pod. And with that comes office days throughout the week. So on average, I have one to two office days per week. And then we work two home games. And then I won't work another home game until a month later. And then you'll work two. It's been nice going back to the office. I will say I like it. I don't necessarily like carrying my stuff back and forth. And, you know, because, you know, you've got your double monitors set up and everything at home. But we're spaced out, obviously, in the office. And I think on my pod days, I normally see like six people. And then what's also nice is with the pod system, we have been able to continue our community service. So we do... 40 hours of community service. We call it hearts of gold. Every employee is committed to doing that throughout the year. And our foundation has put together opportunities that are pod specific. So you're never cross pollinating the pods, no matter what you do. So 40 hours a year, you do this. And so like, what is the current project you're working on? Um, So we did, since it's earth month, we recently did a, and, and Nashville has had a lot of storms recently. We just did a park cleanup picked up debris. So yeah, there's a lot of flooding, a lot of flooding, right? Yeah. Right. Right. So there was a lot of yard waste all over. One of our outdoor deck rinks was just got like flooded. So a group cleaned that up, nice. made it look nicer. Also, we now have this new development. So it was under construction for the past three years. It feels like it's called fifth and broad. And it's essentially a new district. We've always been on Fifth and Broad as Bridge and Arena, but now we have this development, Fifth and Broad, that is now open. So the perk of going back in the office is that we all get to experience that. And it has amazing restaurants, shops. There's a Hattie B's, a Slim and Huskies, a Jenny's ice cream. So we're all enjoying being back at the office because we have all these new lunch options that never existed before. I find that on the days that I get out and do anything, I'm so much more appreciative of everything I get to do. Like, I just like anytime I'm out for a meal or I get to see some coworker that uh, once always tells me their stories, but I'm just happy to see anybody hear all the stories, eat all the foods. Everything is just feels better when you can get out of home for a little bit. Right. We'll sell you the seat, but you'll only need the edge. Oh, boy. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. What are you doing? Well, you know all the spots you hear advertising concerts. They come from BYP, Bill Young Productions. Yeah, yeah, of course. They're the best. Yeah, but did you know they do more than just create killer spots? They can help with all your needs. Um, really? Like what? Everything digital. Sizzle reels, website design, signage, even on-site video shoots. An event like no other. <laughs> Wait, what just happened? Well, now I want to work with BYP. You know they don't talk like that in person, right? Oh, uh, now I do. BYP.com. Live only happens once. Sell tickets to your live events with technology and teams you can trust. From full service to self-service and everything in between, Ticketmaster offers a tailored mix of solutions that meet your unique needs. Their team has been serving venues, artists, and sports leagues for over 40 years, working hard to connect live events with the fans who love them. 
Contact Ticketmaster today at hello at Ticketmaster.com to learn how their solutions can help you reach your fans and sell more tickets. Let's take it way back. You are a a North Carolina native? Yes, I'm from High Point, North Carolina. And you ended up uh, going to college at Ohio University, home of the Bobcats. Tell me about how you ended up in college and kind of what, what you did there. Yeah, thanks. So I'm from High Point, North Carolina. It is the furniture capital of the world. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that. We love it. Yes. That'll be your quote for the podcast. <laughs> High Point, North Carolina, <laughs> the furniture capital of the world. <laughs> Great place to go furniture shopping. So I went to Johnson and Wales University in Charlotte, North Carolina for undergrad and completed sports management degree and wanted to get into sports, obviously, and someone, one of my professors was a graduate of the Ohio University dual master's program, and I applied and received a fellowship, which is a really cool program where they have where, because they like for people to have work experience before being in the MBA program, because you really get, you know, a lot more from it if you can bring a work background. They placed me in a fellowship with the Big South Conference, which is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I worked there for a marketing assistant for a full year and worked all their championships for all of their schools, setting up activations, and then enrolled full-time at Ohio University in Athens. And the first year, it's a little bit different now, but the first year is a full MBA program. The second year is the Masters of Sports Administration program. In between, you take an internship. So I took an internship in Nashville with Impact Wrestling and worked in Nashville for about nine weeks and then went back up to OU, completed my MSA and graduated in May. And then Impact Wrestling hired me full-time and I moved to Nashville full-time May, 2011. You got the MBA, you got the MSA. A lot of people in this industry, you know, kind of stumble into it uh, through a lot of times through internships and those kind of things. And entertain the idea of going back to get their master's. Is that something you recommend? Do you think that was has been helpful for you? Yes. Going to Ohio University and completing the master's program is one of the best decisions I ever made. Absolutely. And I'm even now being into my career longer. I mean, I've been out of school 10 years. I'm still taking things from it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so glad I did that. I, I had a great experience. I fully recommend it. So now you're coming out of school, you got the big education. And of course, this is probably not where you saw yourself, but you're there for like four years, right? Working with with Impact or TNA Entertainment, right? Right. Total nonstop action, Impact Wrestling. Tell me about working in the world of wrestling, what that transition was like for you. Were you a fan before or, or how, did the, how did this come about You know, through the internship and, and over the years? Now that I no longer work there, I will honestly say, yes, I was a wrestling fan prior to (laughs) working for Impact Wrestling, and I love the live entertainment aspect. I love the show. I love the physical element, and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in something that was in the sports entertainment realm, and working there was such a good opportunity because, like a lot of us, you touched so many areas. So I was assisting production, ticketing, merchandise, licensing, marketing. So that was fun because I got to learn from so many different people. And I was the marketing and licensing manager. 
but we didn't have a very large staff. So I was able to tour with the show. So we taped at Universal Studios in Orlando about once a month for a week. So I would go there. And then we also had about 175 to 100 live events every year. And I would pick up a few of those. So I got to see a lot of the country, actually got to work on the UK tour as well. So went overseas and uh, UK wrestling fans are are very passionate. (laughs) Who knew? This is an educational podcast today. I feel like I'm learning a lot. Oh, good, Dave. That makes me feel good. So it really helped what I do now by being able to see the production aspect, right? Because a lot of times you're not thinking about what the production people are going through or yeah, no, they really had a hard load in today. Like maybe make things a little bit easier on them. Maybe do welcome them when they're at your venue. Like they will appreciate it. Um, But yes, working for wrestling was super fun. There are a lot of personalities. (laughs) Literally all the personalities. Yes. And making the transition to hockey. So now we have, and we want, you know, hey, shoot this good luck video or say happy birthday to somebody. And it's like, it took me a while because I was so used to these wrestlers who, number one- Larger than life. They want their face everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're doing an act and they're really good at it. And they give it to you all that, how was that? Can I do it again? How's my hair look? You know, they care about their brand. Not that hockey players don't, but then the hockey players are just like, happy birthday. Right, (laughs) Like, can we get more? No, I want can you to break a chair in the background. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. I mean, all those wrestlers are part. I mean, that's it's more complicated job than I think a lot of people realize. And you know, it's obviously they're very physically fit, but they are all basically actors and actresses, and they have to like overexpress because they're you know they're in a ring and someone's watching them from the upper arena they have to you know like be really emotive a lot and so you're right whenever you have these like PR opportunities with them they crush them they knock it out of the park because they're so used to that and then if you ever work with like you know hockey players or we would have occasionally some like NBA players that would come back to Kentucky that you know, went there for college and we had some fun, like, you know, marketing idea. We're like, yeah, can you read the script? And they are so like, uh, yes, welcome to Rapparina, you know, and you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Give me what I want, you know, but they're not actors. You almost kind of forget about it. So, you know, you're doing the wrestling thing. Does the, you know, going on the road get old to you or does it, is, is it, you know, I think that's another one of those things. A lot of us that are in one building, you know, think about it, it's like, oh, wow, you know, to actually get to go on the road and see some stuff. Was it at a level that you could kind of manage yourself at your own pace or, or did it kind of wear on you a little bit? At that point in my life, I liked it. Um, you know, I was a younger, I was in my mid twenties and, you know, wasn't married yet, didn't own a home or anything. And I enjoyed it. Now it was a lot of repeat Orlando, but you are at Universal Studios. So I, there's no way you can do it now, but we would sneak and ride a roller coaster every now and then. Of course. Um, so that was fun. And then getting to see the other cities, I really did enjoy. Of course, now I so appreciate that after a show, I am coming home just eight miles from the arena. Right, right. That is nice. It's got to be a nice thing. So you're doing wrestling, and then you find yourself out of the industry for a little bit, working in the cupcake business? Yes. Right. 
Yeah, tell me about Gigi's Cupcakes. Can we get them to sponsor this episode? (laughs) They make a delicious product. I was looking for a change outside of Impact Wrestling, had been there for almost five years. And someone I really respect had a position available. She was the marketing director for Gigi's Cupcakes franchising. So the first ever Gigi's Cupcakes opened here in Nashville on Broadway. Um, started it. She had a very popular undercover boss episode. If anyone watches that show, a lot of people found out about Gigi's Cupcakes through undercover boss. So she decided to franchise. And at the time there were 103 Gigi's Cupcakes locations. Wow. Primarily in the Southeast region, but some on the West coast in Arizona, Michigan, up North. And so I had the opportunity to be the marketing support for those franchise owners because a lot of these people, you know, it's a, it's mixed, but a lot of people just have never been in business before. And if they have, they've never touched marketing before. So they really needed to lean on someone from the central office to provide them help with, you know, their social media, their website and things like that. So we had weekly taste testings every day. Oh, I'd be like, I'd be like 600 pounds. I know. I can't decide if I would love that or if it would make me like not like cupcakes anymore. And that sounds horrible, but I I don't know. I'm sure I would not. I'm sure it's like different flavors. I would probably eat it up literally. They joked about the GG60. GG60. The GG60, like the freshman 15. Yeah. (laughs) It would be something every week. So she would try a new bread recipe or cake pops were a really big thing that we tried for several weeks. Brownies. It was awesome. Now, then she had a tactic. She would just taste a little bit and then spit it out. Oh, yeah. That's like the, that's like what the chefs do on the shows. They sometimes don't show you, but then you hear about it is they'll like taste people's things. And they're like, and like you would consume so many calories doing that. So they basically like taste it and then, you know, pop it out. Yeah. So fun. I, I think it's really interesting when people and obviously we've talked to some people on this podcast and we all know people that have stepped away from live entertainment. And I think there's things that people miss when they step away, which I'm sure you did as well. But then there's also some interesting like skills that you can glean from stepping outside the industry and outside your comfort zone. Like, are there things that you, that maybe you look back on today thinking, you know, I pulled this from Gigi's, not from wrestling or anything, my MBA before that, but I would have never thought about this if I hadn't have like left the industry for a bit. Definitely. Pulling content, when you're used to pulling content from a wrestling personality to a cupcake who cannot give you anything. <laughs> yeah, you, you say happy birthday. Now you get nothing. You get nothing. No, the cupcakes do not speak. So that was definitely something I took from it, was just trying to come up with creative content. So how you can be creative with the different photo shoots and video shoots that we were able to do with the product. And I will tell you that they hairspray all the product. So you don't eat anything from the photo shoot. I did learn a lot about food photography as well. It is very a very difficult thing to do. Sounds like, yeah, that's like me see on the commercials when they film those like McDonald's burgers and then you find out that they're made out of like rubber and <laughs> hairspray, exactly. Oh, so that's why they don't look like that. <laughs> right. And then working with people who are not familiar with marketing. So that's something that I, I take with me now is you work with 
promoters so closely and different shows and then everyone knows the same business, but then you may have a show that's booked that's brand new or hasn't been to your building before. And then you can really, okay, I need to take this down and really explain to them why I think they should lean towards digital, why I think they need to go with this new station and this activation. As we prepare to return to live, it's more important than ever to connect with your fans with the right message at the right time. Ticketmaster's marketing solutions suite of products and dedicated support team can help develop and implement a digital marketing strategy to maximize your campaign success. From email to performance media and everything in between, Ticketmaster provides a one-stop shop for industry-leading digital marketing capabilities. To learn how you can harness the power of Ticketmaster's marketing solutions, email marketing solutions team, that's all one word, at Ticketmaster.com today. So like so many of us in this industry, you get pulled out, but then you get pulled back in, right? So tell me about then going from Cupcakes to Bridgestone Arena. Yeah. Do Paul, do you know about Mr. Gaddy's? Mr. Gaddy's Pizza? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, we have one here, I think. Yeah. Yes. My husband's from Kentucky. I really don't know much about it. This is a giant product placement episode, by the way. We're going to get pizza and cupcakes. I'm really hungry now. He was obsessed <laughs> with Mr. Gaddy's, but that's, I just wanted you guys to know that they ended up purchasing Gigi's oh. and the headquarters for Gigi's was eventually going to relocate to Dallas, which led me to number one, explore things. Um, but I didn't find out about this. I saw this position posted. It was specific for the concert and event side, more on Bridgestone Arena aspect of the business. And I really miss that live entertainment element. I love working shows. I mean, you can play. I take it for granted so much now. Now I'm like, why did I ever complain? I would give anything to stand on my feet and work a show until midnight right now. But yes, I definitely miss the live entertainment element. I found out about this position at Bridgestone Arena. The first year and a half, I was solely focused on non-hockey events and creating marketing plans for our family shows and concerts and started working more closely with the Predators team. And like I said, we, we really try not, we never say arena side and Pred side because we are extremely, we all handle the same business. But I started realizing like, hey, there are some things we're doing on the arena side that we can be doing on the Pred side. And then they just decided, hey, what, you know, why don't you come over here? Why don't you start? I just started picking up more and more on the Nashville Predator side. And so now we're all, everyone is Preds and Arena. We don't have one person who's only Arena. That's pretty unique. That's got to provide I mean, some nice opportunities to cross promoter and be consistent as a building. Definitely. We don't have to jump through hoops. You know, we know the inventory available. We know the things that we can offer and we know how to make them happen. So you went from senior marketing manager to now you're the marketing director. It's a, a big change. You got a lot on your shoulders there. Yes. I receive a promotion. I want to say every year. I mean, that's, that's a brag, but. That's what we're here for. No, we're here to talk about the adventure. Dust that shoulder off, Claire. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm senior right. director and. I love it. I spend a lot of time doing a lot of Nashville Predators work, but 
Sure. I think that's really amazing that you all are kind of all together because I think as all of us know from talking to people at different buildings that have NBA teams or NHL teams in the building where it is kept separate, sometimes you kind of live and die by those relationships and sometimes they're great and they get to benefit each other a lot. And other times you hear these horror stories of like, oh, my graphic designer is on the team side and he prioritizes the teamwork or, oh, I have to answer to this person and they are only on the concert side and I'm on the team side. And that relationship can be kind of rocky when they are separate. So I do think it's amazing that you all have been able to combine that because it probably makes things smoother and also probably allows everyone to respect all aspects of the venue industry. You know, sometimes people kind of look down on one side of it over the other for whatever reason. And when it's all kind of like, here's all of our events and it includes a lot of hockey, but it also includes a lot of concerts and a lot of other stuff. Then I think maybe it makes it a bigger picture thing for the whole company. Exactly. And that's something our president and CEO, Sean Henry established before I was there, but he recognized, no, we are one goal. We operate with a one goal mentality. Everything we do is to advance our team, our building, our city. I like that. That's nice. So, you know, tell me about marketing in Nashville, because obviously you're a major tourism hotspot, right? So when you're marketing shows, what percentage of people are coming in from out of town for a lot of your shows versus locals? And and do you do any, any marketing outreach to people who are traveling to your city that you think may be interested in your events? Over 60% of our concert buyers are out of state. Wow. Right. Now, a lot of that is, you know, neighboring states, obviously, but yeah, it is. Still, no, that's still, I mean, it's a lot different than, you know, buying, doing some local radio, you know what I mean? As far as marketing the shows to those folks. Are you relying mostly on artists to do that? Yes, we do. And we do some outer market trade still. We still place, you know, the bulk of our advertising we will place, depending on the demo, with our top broadcast stations, our top radio, depending on the demo. And then we do a lot of billboards. Sometimes we do outer market billboard, especially if, um, you know, we know there's a particular area where people are coming or traveling from. Um, We work with our Visit Music City. So it's our CBC and they put together some really attractive packages and they'll include an event in there. So package it with a hotel, a transportation partner, sometimes a food and beverage partner. And we like putting those packages together because if you're traveling from out of town, our Visit Music City website really does have a lot to offer. And they attract a lot of people who who go there to figure out what to do. One of the great things about Bridgestone, and when we held the uh, EAMC conference there uh, years ago is, you know, got to see the facility. And it's amazing. You know, you have the, the whole big stage set up where people can set up their entire stage that's not even in your arena, right? It's just, it's, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, you all have like a black box kind of event space, right? Where you film some music videos or I'm trying to remember everything from the tour. Rehearsal hall. Rehearsal hall, yeah. The rehearsal hall is something that sets us apart from a lot of other venues. So it's 30,000 square feet of rehearsal space and it is attached to the venue and it's backstage to the venue. It's really neat. A lot of times we will have a client in the rehearsal hall and then a client playing the arena and it's artists who maybe have never even met before. But sometimes a lot of their teams, a lot of people on the production teams have have worked together before and it's fun for everyone because they all get to meet and, you know, essentially work together because they're somewhat sharing a space. 
but we've had so many people on there. People rehearse for their tours there. So we've had Incubus, Jason Aldean, Sam Hunt, Lady A. It's also a really popular space for VIP parties. So a lot of times, because it's a blank space. I mean, you put some pipe and drape and lighting in there. You can do anything. So Carrie Underwood had a really nice VIP party back there. My favorite use of the rehearsal space was we had Ed Sheeran's, we had his final tour show, his final, we were his final stop on the tour and they held their rap party. And he had never been to a fraternity party. This is what I heard and wanted to experience it. So they took rehearsal hall into a fraternity party. There on like the fake grass, they had picnic tables, (laughs) band, beer pong, uh, oh jello shop, a keg, chicken wings, <laughs> a luge, what? ping pong. It was so cool. Did they hire a bunch of uh, like frat guys from down on Broadway to come and you know, stumble <laughs> around and knock stuff over? <laughs> they had an inflatable house, like an inflatable fraternity house. With oh some my God. What? It so was the crazy. coolest that thing. The we were thing. able to pop back there for you know, like 20 minutes and it For was research. That's awesome. You know, yeah. Right. <laughs> you guys host, you know, a ton of award shows too there. What's it like working with those folks to, to put on the big events, the big live events that are broadcast to the world? They are so well buttoned up. Uh, they, I mean, they know exactly what they're doing. And they know your venue too. Exactly. Since they are clients here. I mean, they are here all the time. So I would like to say that, oh man, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, for CMA award, but it's just really nice working with them because they know the venue and they know what they're doing. And we really, it's just a partnership of, Hey, these are the assets. Here's who we want to hit. They're always very kind to let us cover the red carpet and have our personalities. We are able to have some of our Nashville creditors players or our head coach walk the red carpet. So there's really just benefits. Um, Now our event services team, they go through a lot of, you know, a lot of more work than I do for those types of events, just converting the building, trying to get as many seats available as possible, accommodating all the additional space. Um, But yeah, CMT Music Awards, CMA Awards are constants. And then the SEC Basketball Tournament, we're also the home of the SEC Basketball Tournament. A lot of stuff going on down in Nashville, for sure. And and one thing, uh, Claire, maybe on a more on a more personal note, and I and I hope this you know doesn't uh, uh, take you by surprise or, or make you uncomfortable. But I wanted to ask about this because I saw, and this is a controversial topic for a lot of people, but I see that you have listed pimento cheese as your biggest weakness on your social media profile, on your Twitter profile. What what is your love with pimento cheese? Can you explain this to the world? Oh man, that's uh, if you if you don't if you'd rather not hit on this subject because it's too sensitive, we can avoid it. Wow. Well, yes, I love pimento cheese. <laughs> I don't understand people who don't respect. I guess I just I can't possibly understand how you would not like pimento cheese. You can put it on anything. It's good cold or warm. There is a brand that they sell at a lot of retailers here, Kroger, Publix, Costco, Palmetto, Pimento Cheese. All right. Mm -hmm. Carolina, hence the Palmetto. 
the the mm-hmm. ideal way to try it if you've not had it is what if you get the palmetto do you put it on a cracker so like a club cracker what's what's the or are you just eating it straight out of the jar i like a club cracker however in an effort to be more healthy carrots carrots with pimento ah. cheese really great combination you had me at cheese but you lost me at carrots I, one funny thing that he brings up, he brings up, yeah, Dave is a meat only person uh, with some cheese on the side. Well, on a hamburger. Um, and then a cheese on a oh, hamburger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it so good on a hamburger. No, the funny thing, you bring that up, and it's reminding me when we were in Nashville for EAMC, I was in, I went to someone's like hotel room before the conference was beginning. It was like a few of us, you know, maybe some of like the planning committee members or something. And they got like a tray that had different, you know, whatever relishes and crackers or something for us to eat. And it had pimento cheese in it. And most of the people in the room had no idea what it was because they were from California. They were from, they're like, what is this? I was like, it's pimento cheese. It's amazing. I love it. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was, I felt like I was like having to explain food to them and how it's incredible but also I take it for granted because I'm from Kentucky and obviously you live in Tennessee and are from North Carolina. So it's kind of like a very Southern dish, but I'm all in on pimento cheese. Whenever people ask me to contribute a recipe for something, I always give Sean Brock's pimento cheese recipe. He had several restaurant concepts here in Nashville and also had some in Charleston. And so if you ever need it, Sean Brock. Now, as long as we're talking about the things you like to do for fun, horses are a big passion for you and and your family, right? Yes. My husband is from Kentucky, and his favorite sport is horse racing. And most recently, in 2019, his dad, so his father has part ownership, bred, actually bred this horse, um, named Street Band, and she had a lot of success. She became a grade one winner. She actually ran in the Breeders' Cup, which is like the Super Bowl. It's the championships of horse racing. And so we had the opportunity to go to the Breeders' Cup. She ran in the Kentucky Oaks. Yeah. And it was so much fun. I mean, you talk about putting on events, Breeders' Cup and the Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby. I mean, these are mega events. It was such a good time. Um, being in the winter circle is just such a rush. If you've never been to a horse race, you know, I know Paul lives in Lexington where Keeneland is. It is beautiful. And the thing about horse racing, it's kind of like going to a NASCAR race. There aren't really rules. You can stand in the aisle all you want. Like no one tells you to get out of the way. You can bring in your own. Well, this is pre-COVID, you know, bring you your can own bring in cheese. your own stuff. Yes, you can bring in your own pimento cheese sandwiches. No one's going to say anything to you. It, I'm going to defend horse racing and say it's a little classier than NASCAR. Excuse me. But I see what you mean. Yes, exactly. It's it's a little more casual. It's fun. There's like, like at Keeneland, they have like this whole place called The Hill where people just pregame, hang out outside their cars, drink, you know, cook barbecue, like whatever they want, play cornhole all day, and then also watch horse racing. It's it's like a, it's a whole experience. It's not just like going to a, I don't know, like a game or something. Right. And you can choose your own experience. There's so many different seating options, premium options available. It's really great. I encourage people to check out a horse track um, and support them. 
And we were so lucky because we were able to go to all these races with his family and we don't see them a lot. And we got to do this, you know, she had about six races last year. And so we were able to travel the country and go to these races with them right before 2020 when we weren't able to do anything. So we're just very grateful for yeah. the experience. And then Streetban now lives in Japan. Ooh. Yes. Are you going to go to Japan to see Street Band? I feel like you so have now to. Now that's just, my bucket you know, list. For research. Yeah. That's my bucket list to now go to a horse race in Japan. You should bring some pimento cheese with you. I don't know if they have it in Japan. You might be able to, like, you know, create your own pimento cheese empire there and you don't even know. Known for their cuisine. <laughs> Uh, before we wrap things up here, you know, we talked at the beginning of the podcast about how, you know, today being a, a busy day for you because uh, you increased capacity to 33%. Where do you see we're at, you know, a couple years from now? Let's say two years from now. Do you think we're back? Are there any changes that you see sticking around from this pandemic uh, that'll be with us down the road? Or um, do you think we'll be back to the way things were fully in 2018? Bridgestone Arena is operating as if, you know, we want to be back at full capacity next season and next year. So we also just announced that we're hosting the 2022 U.S. Figure Skating Championships in January. Congratulations. Very nice. Thank you. Very excited for that event. And we are moving forward as if we're at full capacity. So, you know, we anticipate people continuing to follow the protocols and us being able to get back up to that full capacity number. I think people will pay more attention to the materials that we send out. Hopefully the no before you go, people will become, you know, just more familiar with spacing and being conscientious of where they sit. I think premium options are a little bit more attractive now. Um, there's yeah. opportunity there. I know just like myself as a spectator and a patron, I like the experience of having a little bit of a pod and being able to move about a little bit. It's kind of, I think one thing that's interesting is of course, like when we are all like little kids are always like, wash your hands and, you know, be clean, you know, all this stuff. And you kind of like roll your eyes and don't really think about it as an adult. And so it is something like you mentioned with people kind of watching their space. I wonder if, you know, that is something coming out of this, like, you know, let's say in two years and let's hope that we're totally past it. We're all looking back and being like, well, that was a wild ride. You know, maybe on that side, we all like are like a little more of a germaphobe in a good way, you know, but kind of, you know, less, less spreading colds to our coworkers and stuff like that. Cause we're just a little more attentive to that just cause we all kind of went through that one crazy year together. So maybe that's a, you know, a positive. Yeah. And it helps people become more familiar with, mobile ticketing. I know that the digital activation or adoption has been nice. Yes, for sure. Much more comfortable having people like, Hey, go to our Preds Bridgestone Arena app and play this game. People are so used to using their phones now. It's not as difficult getting them to convert over to mobile. That's definitely been a, a plus side that I've seen is, is it kind of has sped up the adoption process for that, which is, it, it speeds up a lot of things uh, for entry into the arena when folks know what they're doing and, and those kind of things. Uh, Claire, before we wrap things up, we'd like to hit you with the fast five, five quick questions. We're just looking for your immediate response here. So we'll start off with your first concert. Backstreet Boys at Greensboro Coliseum. Very nice. How about your favorite concert? Arcade Fire at Ryman Auditorium. 
That was my third date with my husband. Oh, oh nice. Uh, how about uh, uh, Paul and I come to town and you say, hey, the one restaurant in Nashville that you have to try is? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Henrietta Red. Female chef, Whoa. tremendous place. Henrietta Red, check it out. We'll have to look that one up. All right, how about this one? My dream vacation is? Japan. I want to go to Japan. It's on the list. It's on the list. Last question for you. Uh, there's the uh, the Claire Francis TV show. It's just been announced live from Smashville, all about your life. What is the theme song to that show? What's the one song that sums up the life of Claire? Oh, gosh. Man. I want to say anything Taylor Swift because I am a Swifty all the way. Ooh, yeah. I'm feeling 22. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I there was. You go. Claire, uh, before we let you go, what do we want to plug? Uh, if people want to reach out to you or venue, social media, get all your plugs in here. Follow me on Instagram. I am Claire underscore S Francis, Francis with an I. And please be sure and check out at Preds NHL on all social platforms and at Bridgestone Arena on Instagram. We're at Bridgestone Arena official. On Twitter, we are at Bridgestone Arena without an I and an E. There you go. Lots of good stuff there. Hey, really appreciate the time here today. Thanks for taking us along uh, on your adventure. And thanks to everybody for listening to Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. And until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.